I'm Pastor Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Brandywine Valley Church. We want to welcome you in. Thanks for being here today. Um, as the children are going out, you can turn in your Bibles. If you have a copy of the Bible, your, uh, your own, or if you want to use the one in the seat back in front of you, um, or you can use an app. That works too. Uh, by the way, the, the Bible in the seat back in front of you, if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you, okay? So take that home, uh, start reading it. You can read right along with us as we're going through uh, whatever we might be preaching on that Sunday in that sermon. So read that Bible. That's a gift for you. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. If you're, again, new to the Bible, that's in the second half of the Bible, about uh, almost toward the end, okay? So just... You're going to see a bunch of Ians, okay? Philippians is one of those, just a few pages in your Bible, and you can file, follow along um, with us in that, okay? So Philippians, we're going to be in chapter one. Let me, let me say a word of prayer as we begin our time in God's word. Heavenly Father, we present ourselves fully to you. We, we surrender ourselves to you. As we just sang, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all, Lord. So we want to give our minds attention to you today. Free us from distractions or anxieties or things that are, uh, are tomorrow's problem. So we can be present in this moment. Lord, we want to be free from heart distractions. The worries that are heavy burdens that, Lord, we might set those aside so we can give you access to our hearts by the Holy Spirit today. Challenge us, change our perspective on our lives because we sat under the teaching of your word today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are finishing our series. We're calling it Great Commissionaries. It's really a series all about what, is it, what does it mean for Christ's followers to be people that are following the great commission of Jesus to go and make disciples of the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, knowing that the Spirit will be with us when we do. You know, that command was given to the disciples, it was given to the early church, but it wasn't just given to them, it was given for us today. It was given for our community that we find ourselves in here today and for around the world. And so what does it look like to, to join that mission wholeheartedly? And that's what we've been talking about throughout Missions Month. This is our final message in the series. Next week, we go back into Genesis. We're going to be in Ge Genesis chapter 3 in our origin story series. So let me open by asking this question. Have any of you ever felt stuck in your life? Yeah? Any of you ever feel stuck? Maybe as stuck in a season of life that you didn't want to be in? Any of you ever feel like you were stuck in a place that you didn't want to be in or in a job that you didn't want to have or maybe stuck in a conversation you didn't want to be having? Some of you feel stuck in the seat that you're in right now because someone dragged you to church. Hopefully that's not you today. But sometimes we feel stuck. And when we find ourselves in these places where we feel stuck, one of the things that we ask ourselves is how did I get here? Why am I here? Why am I in this situation? This feels like a waste of time. Any of you ever feel this way? When I graduated college, I was looking for a job and I couldn't find a job. After all, who wants to hire a 22-year-old with a Bible degree? 
Any, anybody looking to hire that guy? Probably not. And so couldn't find a job. But a guy in my church, uh, he said, I think I can get you a job at uh, a Harley Davidson machine shop. I said, that's really, that's, that's pretty cool. I'll get to, maybe I'll get to see Harleys. Maybe I'll get to ride one. That would be awesome. This is really cool. I'm in. Not cool. This machine shop, not cool. Poorly ventilated. Not only were there no Harleys, there wasn't even pictures of Harleys in this place. My job was to sit in front of a drill press and drill holes in one inch by one inch pieces of metal and then put it in the box next to me for eight hours a day. That's what I did. Really fun, really fun work there. The favorite part of my job, the most interesting part of the job is when the drill bit broke and I would walk across the machine shop to go get a new one and put that back in. That was the best part of my job. I asked uh, my boss one time, so what, what am I drilling anyway? What are these used for? And he said, well, it's the, it's the little, the little uh, kind of cog that goes in the mirror so that the mirror could pivot. <laughs> really exciting work uh, I was doing. Now, looking back at this brief season of my life, in this season, in this place, I felt stuck. Why am I here? What am I doing? How did I get myself here? This seems like a waste of my time. Some of you can relate to this. Some of you can relate to the circumstances you find yourself in today, in the job that you're in today. Maybe you're saying, why am I back living in my parents' basement? Why am I at this school? Why am I stuck in this hospital bed? How do I find myself in these relationships that I really don't want to be in? Now, God doesn't tell us all the answers to our biggest questions. He doesn't tell us all the answers to our why questions in life. This is a step of, of faith. This is part of the faith journey. And if you're kind of new or maybe skeptical to Christianity, you need to know this about what we believe. It's not like we suddenly get the roadmap of every single decision we're ever going to make in our life and all the why questions answered by God. That's not how he works. But Christians do believe that God hasn't left us out there blind to walk in life, that there are things that he shows us, things that we can read in his scripture and know some of the, the answers to the why questions. And for sure, one of the answers to the why question of why am I here, God has answered in his word. And we're going to look at it today. But the answer to the question why, one of the answers is always who. The answer to the question why is always who. That is the reason that you are in the season of life, the reason that you're in the place in life, you can always be sure about one thing. It's because of the people that God wants you to be with. It's because of the people that he wants you to influence in that season of life, in that place. And this is really critical. This, this will change your perspective on the areas that you feel stuck in. And this is what Paul had to learn. And when Paul learned it, he, he taught us from Philippians chapter 1. If you are stuck in a situation in life, this can change your perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to make you unstuck in your job or whatever it might be, but he will give you a new perspective. He'll give you a new joy. He'll give you a new purpose and a mission for the places and the people that you're with. So let's look at what Paul learned, and then we'll talk about our own lives. Look at verse 12, Philippians 1. 
verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, now pause here, we're, we're going to look at the rest of that sentence, but we first need to ask, what happened to Paul? What is he referring to here? Well, we know from the book of Acts, and from reading the context of this letter, that Paul found himself stuck in a season of life that he did not choose. Paul went from preaching the gospel in open amphitheaters and uh, on the roads in an open air campaign, seeing hundreds of people come to Christ, planting churches all over the Roman Empire, seeing powerful displays of the Holy Spirit, too, being stuck in a small home on house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. Everything stopped. Everything came to a screeching halt when Paul found himself in a season of life he didn't choose and a place he didn't choose. House arrest, a, a, essentially a, a prison that he found himself in for two years. Not only was he in a place he didn't choose, he was also with people he didn't choose. Day and night, Paul was chained to a Roman uh, soldier. That means that every time Paul went to the bathroom, guess who came with him? The prison guard. Every time Paul laid his head down to sleep, guess who was laying next to him? The prison guard. Everywhere he went, this prison guard came with him for two years. You think you feel stuck in life. Can you imagine how stuck Paul felt? Can you imagine the things that raced through his mind of saying, why am I here? Why am I stuck doing this? I could be preaching the gospel. I could be planting churches. I could be doing something with my life. God, why am I here? Paul was human. He had these same questions that you and I have. Ah, but, but Jesus showed him something. And he learned something. He's going to teach it to us. Let's, let's continue on and hear the perspective that God had to teach Paul to unlock the answer to why. Look at verse 12 again. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Did you hear that? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, this is amazing. Do you, do you see what he's saying? Paul came to learn a great commissionary perspective. Now, I made up that phrase. Don't go look it up in the dictionary. You won't find it. A great commissionary perspective. That is, that the answer to why is always a who. The people that God places you in close proximity with is always part of the answer to why you are in the season of life and the place you are in. Do you see it with Paul? Notice who he said he was, he was with, the palace guard. The palace guard, also known as the Praetorian Guard, was um, kind of an elite group of soldiers. We might look at them as a secret service of uh, ancient first century Roman Empire. These were a regiment of soldiers that were placed to guard um, high, um, uh, sort of high-profile prisoners like Paul, but also guarded the emperor's own family, guarded the emperor's own palace. So these were pretty elite guys. And how this worked for the house arrest is that these guys would do two shifts. So there would be a 12-hour shift where they would change the guard and the next guard would come. So 
two soldiers who would then rotate, and there was a whole group of uh, a regiment of soldiers that would rotate through for two years chained to Paul, night and day. Imagine what those conversations were like with the Apostle Paul, the most effective evangelist in the history of the church. For two years, imagine what they observed about Paul's character, how different his way of life was. What do you think their conversations were like over those 17,520 hours that they spent with Paul? What kind of impact do you think it had on these men to observe how the body of Christ rallied around Paul and brought him food and clothes and and loved him and encouraged him and wrote letters to him and just was willing to be there with him and pray with him and worship with him and read the Bible together? What kind of impact do you think that made? Do you think that made an impact on these soldiers over those two years? You can guarantee it. The apostle Paul and those who came to visit him demonstrated and declared the gospel of Jesus Christ day and night. And look what happened in Paul's final words to the church in in Philippi, uh, here at the end of his letter, chapter 4, verse 21. Notice what Paul says. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send their greetings. All God's people here. Where is he talking about? House arrest in Rome. All God's people here send greetings. Listen, especially those belonging to who? Caesar's household. Say, wait a second. You mean there's people in Caesar, in the emperor's own household, who became followers of Christ? Yes. Say, well, how in the world did that happen? I'll give you one guess how that happened. The palace guard. Paul began ministering to these these soldiers day and night, some of them gave their life to Christ. Paul began discipling some of these prison guards chained to him. He began to give them a great commissionary mindset and send them out to their next shift. Guess what? Some of these guys, no doubt, went and served back at the palace with Emperor Nero. Or maybe they served to protect his wife Octavia or their children, or maybe some of their servants and the Senate that was in, this, in, the, in the palace household. And people, as they began to share their go- the gospel message, these soldiers sharing the gospel message, people came to know Jesus Christ. People in the palace, some of Caesar's own family, some of his labor force, some of his senators, the gospel advanced in one of the hardest to reach places on the face of the earth. How did that happen? Paul was chained to a Roman guard. Isn't that amazing how the gospel works? Isn't that incredible? What do you think this did when Paul would share this to the churches in letters? Well, it did exactly what it did, uh, as, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 114. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Let me say that again. And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Why weren't they afraid? Well, they're saying, man, if Paul can share the gospel in this really hard place? If Paul can share the gospel with these really hard people, man, I can share the gospel in my neighborhood freely. I can share the gospel with the people in the synagogue. I can share the gospel with my neighbors. I can share the gospel with my coworkers. If he can do it there, I can do it here. And it's because of that, it lit a fire under 
The churches and the gospel continued to advance. Within another century, the entire face of the Roman Empire was changed because of the boldness proclaiming the gospel without fear. See, Paul learned to have a great commissionary perspective for his life, that whatever season he was in, whatever place he was in, whether he was doing what he loved and felt like he was in a sweet spot or he was in hard places chained to a guard, whatever situation, he learned that God had gospel plans to reach people even in hard places and bring them into a loving, secure, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that's as far as I want to go with looking at Paul, because I want to talk about you and I today. I want to talk about our lives. When it comes to the seasons that God has for you and the places and the people that he has in your lives, whether you chose them and you're in a season where, man, you're crushing it at work and you're in exactly the neighborhood you want to be in and you're in exactly the friend group that you want to be in, or, or if you're in a season where you feel stuck and in lots of places where you didn't choose, in any and all situations, do we have a great commissionary perspective like Paul did? Do we know that the answer to why is always a who? That God has placed you there to demonstrate and declare the gospel. I want to give a real life example that's happening actually as we speak to help you see what this looks like in our lives. It starts with David and Alyssa, a Christian couple who live in a neighborhood here in Wilmington. And uh, over the years, they've gotten to know some of their neighbors. And one of those neighbors is Dana and her son, Aiden. And over the years, they've looked to pray for them and and, uh, exercise hospitality in their lives, uh, look to love them and, and look for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And so they've been working on this, this, uh, these neighbors for a little while. Well, recently, Aiden made some very um, poor decisions. And um, he found himself in serious trouble with the law. He ended up at Howard R. Young uh, Correctional Institution um, because of some of the things that he did. That's a prison right here in Wilmington. And when David and Lissa found that out, they knew exactly what to do because they happened to be friends with uh, Steve and Rochelle Anderson. Steve, Steve's in the back. Just throw your hand so people know who Steve is. Now, many of you already know Steve and Rochelle Anderson. Rochelle is, uh, works in our children's ministry. Steve is actually Chaplain Steve. He works at Howard R. Young as, uh, as a chaplain there. He's one of the, the missionaries that we support. We partner with financially and in other ways. And so they reach out to him and they say, hey, maybe this... Maybe you can get to know this Aiden guy, see maybe if you can reach out to him, see if you can you know, try to encourage him and see where he's at. And they began praying for Aiden, that Aiden might meet Jesus in that place and have his life transformed. Now, pause that story for a moment. Meanwhile, Chaplain Steve, who has a ministry among the inmates there at Howard R. Young, well, one of the guys that he's ministering to there is a young man named Jamal. And Jamal has been uh, increasingly interested in things, uh, in spiritual things. He has a Muslim background, and Steve began doing a Bible study with him, praying with him, inviting him to chapel. He's hearing chapel messages. He's praying for him. And God began to open his mind and his heart to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, after one chapel, came down front, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
in his life. Jamal's life is being transformed as we speak. He is seeing the fruit of faith in Jesus Christ, and he is on fire. He started to get a great commissionary mindset for his life. Before, the way he thought about his life is, why am I here? Why am I in in this hard place? I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be here. This is a waste of my time. Now he's starting to see, well, maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons God has me here in this hard place, in this hard season, is for these people. Now, guess who landed in Jamal's pod? Aiden. Aiden ended up just in that very same pod by the providence of God right next to Jamal. Well, guess what Jamal started doing? Jamal started uh, getting to know him and encouraging him and loving him and sharing the gospel with him and reading their Bibles together. And Jamal came up to Steve all excited and he said, I think Aiden is ready to receive the gospel. And now Aiden is beginning in his journey, lifelong journey with Jesus Christ. And Steve said to me, I think uh, if, I ha- if I had to pick one person for Aiden to be around, it would have been Jamal. And God made it happen before it even crossed my mind. Isn't that amazing? Can we give God the glory for a story like that? That's awesome. Now listen, listen, this is what a great commissionary mindset looks like. It looks like an investment in relationships for the sake of the gospel, looking at the people that God has put in your pathway to influence for Christ, to pray for, to love them, to invest in them, and look for opportunities to share Jesus Christ. And if the Apostle Paul and if Steve and if Jamal and Aiden can do that in hard places that they didn't choose, I think we can do it in our sweet spot. I think we can do it in the places we have chosen, in our neighborhoods where we live, work, and where we play. To get the gospel to advance in Caesar's own household, God had to send Paul to Rome on house arrest. To get the the gospel to advance in places like the prison, to reach Jamal and Aiden, God had to send David and Alyssa into their neighborhood and Chaplain Steve into the prisons. Let me ask you a question. In order to get the gospel to advance at J.P. Morgan Chase, how's he going to do that? Well, he might give you a job there and a cubicle there or a corner office there. In order to get the gospel to advance in Concord High School, how's he going to do that? He's going to give you a locker and a desk. He's going to give you a group of friends. He's going to give you a soccer field. He's going to give you a group of, of, of people that you play in the band with or, or, or on the stage with, acting. In order to get the, the gospel to advance in places like Maris Grove, he might give you an apartment there. In order to get the gospel to advance in places in, in underserved and vulnerable communities in Wilmington, he might people, put people like Lynn Doyle there in Urban Promise, and some of us to serve in ministries like Urban Promise or in Sunday Breakfast Mission or in other places. Do, do we get this as a great commissionary mindset? Consider, friends, that you might be the closest example of Jesus that some of the people that you know will ever get to see in this life. I look back at my days at Harley-Davidson machine shop. And I see now that the answer to why was always who. I think about the 20-something guy next to me on the drill next to me 
who every morning for five hours would listen to Howard Stern show and who hated his life and had a drinking problem and was kind of really searching for some, someone. And I didn't share the gospel with him. Why? I didn't have a great commissionary mindset. I was so self-consumed about self-pity, oh, my situation, oh, I don't really want to be here, that I missed an opportunity. I don't want you to miss an opportunity. I don't want to ever miss an opportunity again. I don't want you to miss those opportunities when God puts them in your place. I want to ask Pastor Terry to come up. Pastor Terry is our pastor of church mobilization. It's really, he's tasked with carrying the banner, the flag of mobilizing us as a church so that we are accomplishing the mission that God gave us to do, to introduce people to Jesus Christ and help them follow him. And Terry and I and, uh, and our, our ministry leadership team, we've been praying through and thinking through what would it look like for our whole church to adopt a great commissionary perspective? What would it look like for our whole church to begin investing in the relationships where they live, work, and play? And this is one of our key priorities over the next three years is reaching our community. And we want to make this as, as, uh, as simple as possible, something that we're all doing together. And so over the next, three, uh, over the next six months, Terry is going to tell you about an initiative of how this church is going to be uh, advancing the gospel in the relationships that we have. Pastor Terry. Yes, so uh, what if over the next six months you could not only impact um, the lives of eight people in your life, but you could also see transformation in your own heart, in your own life, in your family's heart? And what if this could fit into the normal everyday routine that you already have? And what if we could do this together as a church in an, an intentional way? Would that intrigue you? I mean, that's a real question. Would it, would it stir your heart? Would it move your heart into a season of action, prayerful action? Uh, the whole goal of this is that we do this together and we see the Lord work in and through our community in a special way. And I believe that he will do that. Um, consider this. Statistically, two out of three Delawareans only go to church once, maybe twice a year, Christmas and Easter or not at all. So if you go to church, which you do, because <laughs> you're here, that means probably if you look out your door to the left and the right, your neighbor doesn't go to church. And uh, we all know people that don't, right? And what this means is that they likely feel far from God, distant from him. Think about your own life. As you walk with God, how hard it is and how certain days are extremely lonely. But consider your neighbor who's walking maybe even in deeper darkness and further separation from God. And we have this good news. So we are thrilled to announce a laser-focused initiative um, called Reaching Our Community Using My Hashtag. My Hashtag is a card that's in your seat. Everybody can grab one. If you're joining us online, you can go to our website backslash my hashtag. If you didn't know, this little symbol is a hashtag, also known as a pound sign. If you call this my pound sign, I'm going to write you a ticket. <laughs> so <laughs> we're calling this my hashtag. And it's a way for us to pray first, to love all, and invite often in a really intentional way. 
I wanna walk you through the back of the card. If you don't have one, you can't find one. If you're in the front row of the balcony, ask for one from your neighbor. And raise your hand if you don't have one. We have ushers coming around with more cards. We really want everyone to walk away with one of these today and to put it in a prominent place, you know, on your fridge or on your mirror, in your car, and start going through your life as Pastor Nate gave those examples of people in your everyday life that you want to encounter. I want to read through the back of the card, which has the instructions on how to use this. My hashtag is a simple strategy aimed toward loving our neighbors. Engage in acts of love toward those you encounter daily. Embrace your unique responsibility to introduce Jesus in everyday life. Who? Who should you write? What name should you write on my hashtag? Look around, across the street, at work, school, and the places you frequent. Your neighbors are those you encounter regularly, individuals in your circle, seen weekly. The goal is to identify who may not yet be walking with Jesus along the path where you live, work, and play. So the idea is, go through your week this week. See who you see regularly at the shopping market or the coffee shop. Maybe you don't know their name yet, but maybe this week you learn their name and you begin praying for them, and then you ask, how can I pray for you? You learn about them over the next six months. Uh, why eight? Well, it, it fits nicely on a hashtag. Let's just be honest, okay? <laughs> Let's be brutally honest. There's eight squares here for you to fill in intentionally. And with you in the center, my hashtag identifies eight people that you commit to praying for and loving on while patiently awaiting the right opportunity to introduce Jesus. 100 is too many, and one is too few. Start with eight people, know their names, pray for them, and personally care for and connect with each person. Now, some of you, we heard the story today, some of you are doing this, it's intuitive for you, or you've learned it over the years how to pour your life out. Others, uh, like the example... Pastor Nate gave at his early workplace, we, re, we remain hidden or we're not sure what to do. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, we want to invite you into this. Um, identify eight new people that you want to start reaching out to intentionally over the next six months. Can I do this? Absolutely. This mission is designed for everyone. Regardless of age or life stage, God has uniquely shaped and prepared you to extend his love to your my hashtag. I've been trying to figure out the right way to say that, like whether you're eight years old or you're 108, (laughs) but that doesn't sound quite right. But the idea is, yes, even a child can do this, someone who carries the love. And we're going to bring some stories out as we go about even examples of where we've seen this in our kids' ministry already. And then lastly, um, on the website, uh, Brandywine Church, backslash my hashtag, there's resources, and you can print one of these cards if you lose track of it. And we really want to invite you into this season. Um, We hope that this fits into your everyday life, but that doesn't mean that it won't require sacrifice or that it won't be uncomfortable at times. Just step into that discomfort. We have such good news. You know, I heard a story yesterday that's still living with me of some people that gave their lives Um, sharing the gospel in the country of Tanzania yesterday. 
And it's been really moving me, just like, why did that happen, Lord? Did that have to happen? And yet they were, like Paul, they were pouring their lives out in a special kind of global mission sort of way. But this whole month we've been talking about, we have great news. We are co-missionaries right here in the Brandywine Valley. And most people in our region are not walking closely with Jesus If anything, the mission field of the Northeast is extremely difficult. You can walk with someone for years and it might take that time or it could could be a day where he opens their heart. Uh, Lastly, I I like to walk along the Brandywine Valley from the bottom of Mount Lebanon Road. There's a paved trail that goes to Thompson's Bridge and beyond. It's one of the places I go to walk and pray when I get a little break in my day. And... um, I've been thinking, well, how would I invite someone into this? Maybe I can invite someone into a hike uh, over the next six months in a, yeah, in, a, in a way that would take a risk with one of the guys that I've been trying to reach out to in my own life. So I'm gonna invite Pastor Nate. He's gonna challenge us in a special way now. How do we step into this, my hashtag? So you just heard Pastor Terry give you the idea. Each week over the next six months, we're going to be emphasizing this in a different way. Here's one, just one step I want you to take right now. Fill out one, just one name on this card right now. Who is the person that when we began talking about this, or maybe at some point throughout this series, this is the person that the Lord has put on your heart. Who is that person? Who is that person? Take a moment. We're just going to, we're just going to give you 30 seconds or so. Fill that one square out for now, and then over the weeks, we're going to try to help you fill out all eight. All right, take that moment and do that right now. You have that person? Spirit put somebody on your heart? Would you, would you pray with me? Let's bring these, these people before the Lord in this room. You close your eyes and just bow your head. If you would, if you feel comfortable, there's about 500 people in this room right now. If you would just um, speak out the first name or maybe the initials of that person. Just go ahead and speak that person out to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we we just brought before you maybe 500 names of people that we're praying for. We brought them before your throne. We want you to reach them. We want you to open up their heart like you did Jamal and Aiden, like you did in my life when I was 18. Open up our hearts to hear the message of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to be praying for them regularly, to be loving them always, to be inviting them often into a relationship, into a relationship with us and a relationship with you. You can do that by your spirit, Father, and we ask that you would. Lord, I know that in a room like this, there are, there are certainly people here that, that don't yet know you, and maybe they feel stuck in their life. Maybe that's what brought them into this room. And they've been asking, why? Why am I here? 
And maybe today, Lord, you had them in this room for such a time as this to remind them that you love them. In fact, you love them and been pursuing them their whole life, even if they didn't know it. You love them so much that the Bible says that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to become a man and live on this earth to reveal the love of the Father and who he is. To actually give his life to lay down his life for you, for me. So that we can become known by you and be with you forever. That Jesus died on a cross for, the Bible says, for our sins, for everything that separates us from a holy God. And he forgives us forever. You can know him. You can ask for his forgiveness and trust that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. And if that's you today, then maybe this day, this day is the first day that you embrace a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you here today, don't leave this place without telling someone Maybe somebody that invited you or one of the people down front to pray or, or someone at our guest desk or me or one of the pastors so we can help you take that next step. Heavenly Father, touch our hearts, speak to us today. And we bring these names before you, Father. May we attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. In Jesus' name. Amen.